Well, good morning as our kids are being dismissed. Of course, this is officially Promotion Sunday, so we'll be, if you're in the uh, first through fifth grade, you'll go to Children's Church. If you're in kindergarten, of course, you're in kinder church. We had Grace Kids 1 and Grace Kids 2. Their promotion was today as well, so we have people in different classes. And uh, I'm personally excited for next week when I do Children's Church and I get to see all our new kids. That's an exciting Sunday for us. A couple of quick announcements. As you're going to Ephesians, that's where we're going to be today, Ephesians chapter 2. Yesterday we had a, um, there was a conference for good news clubs uh, in the upstate. It was at Taylor's First Baptist Church, and a few of us went there um, yesterday from about 9 to 2. And I, I'll admit, I wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to going but I really wanted to get something out of it. And I'm telling you, I live blessed. I am praying that next year we'll see, even if you look, say, listen, good news just doesn't work in my life at this moment. My schedule, I've got kids. I've got, I totally understand all those things. But that Saturday time from 9 to 2 was extremely valuable. It's valuable for what happens here on Sundays and Wednesdays. So next year you're going to see us promote that a little better. And let people know about it because, let's say, you can't do Good News Club on Tuesdays from 2 to 4. But if you can, I'd like to talk to you after the service. But if you can't, um, that's okay. But there was some really good tools and great teachers at this conference yesterday. And uh, got a lot of techniques and helps and just little things. So that was really, really good. That was yesterday at, at uh, Taylor's First Baptist. So also this Wednesday is uh, really beginning of what we're calling season two. I don't know why we don't call it year two. I'm the one that decided I like calling it season two of a base camp reading program. And you would, I was like amazed like what the sign does out there. I've had like people, so what exactly is that? Um, tell me what it's, what's going on there. And uh, flyers will be going out in Anderson District 5 in um, preschools and elementary schools. Uh, this week, so Lord willing, we'll see some new kids come to that. It is the most evangelistic thing I think we do in children's ministry because we have kids who would never come to our church on Sunday, but they'll come because their parents want them to get extra reading help. And so that would, um, if you want to be in prayer for those things as we kind of begin again. So, how many of you were here last week? Raise your hand. Yep. And pastor said he's going to preach a message on divorce. Oh, and next week he's going to preach a message on divorce. And Brandon, a couple of months ago, would you mind preaching the 25th? Oh, great. That'd be great. Right in between divorce part one and divorce part two. <laughs> so needless to say, as I began to read it through his notes on the Friday before, I had something else prepared and I was like, you know what? We'll just hold off on that and we'll go to this as I think this is a more to kind of keep in the same line of things. We're not going to really talk about divorce today. I think he'll cover that well and thoroughly. But I, as I began to kind of think and pray, I just kept going back to Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to leave today encouraged. I tell you what, I'm excited to read this. I'll just be honest with you. I can't read Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 and not get pumped up about what God has done, is doing through the power of Jesus Christ. So we really have two main focuses today. First of all, if you're a believer, I want us to be reminded of where we were apart from Jesus, right? I want us to be reminded of what we were in that old way, 
before that old creation. If you're not a believer today, I pray that you'll hear the gospel and God will call you to himself. I ask Christians as we get to those points, would y'all pray with me at that? Because, buddy, you can't ignore the gospel in this. It's just, it's just right there in front of you. So let's begin Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. I'm going to call out a few little phrases as we go through this just a little bit. As some things are repetitive and they're important. And you were dead dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked if you mark your bibles you may want to mark that little once walked part following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desire of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, though. Man, this is huge. But God. But God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now, you see that by grace you have been saved. You really could go down to verse 8. We're not going to do that. We're going to keep going through. So, we're going to go back to verse 6. So, made us to, uh, alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6 and raised us up with him and seated us with him. In the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Again, we're just, it's just hammering that. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us, in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Now, before I say this phrase, remember in verse 1 and verse 2, you once walked. Now we end in verse 10, that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we are grateful and thankful for your word. There are just some passages that you read that are just so encouraging, God. They, lit they literally lift you up as you're reading them. Lord, I pray that the things that I say today would only be of you. Lord, rid me of my own thoughts, but fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, for those Christians here today, I pray they'd be encouraged to remember maybe to where they've been Lord, for those that are struggling, maybe where they kind of feel they currently are. But in Christ, we know we're made alive. Lord, for those that do not know you as personal Savior that are in this room, God, I pray the Holy Spirit would touch them today, reveal to them, and you would call them to salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, we are born spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. 
I remember just a few years ago, uh, it's probably been a lot how old you are, but about roughly 10 years ago or so, I walk into this hospital, the same hospital that later my oldest son would be born, and I'm with a, the uh, lead pastor of the church that we were serving with, and when you go to the hospital, I will tell you this, that is one of my personal joys in the ministry. I love it. Um, I got to go to visit uh, one, of our, uh, fa- one of our family members last week, and she was going into some surgery, and it's just a re- I love those type things, okay? But when you go to the hospital, there is that certain smell that you, know, that you get, right? You know what I'm talking about. And then of all the floors on a hospital, the one you really want to go to is the baby floor, right? Maybe you go to the window where all the babies are walking in, and boy, they're just so precious and perfect. Oh, it's a great place. You don't think about surgeries in other floors, maybe terminal illnesses in other floors. Really a place of hope. So we're coming up to this floor, and we're going to the baby floor, but this was not a situation of hope. We open the door, and there's only one lamp on in this room. I will never forget this, and she, the, the mother is in a rocking chair, and her back is faced toward us, so we can't see her or the baby that she's holding. That baby that she's holding, that she's rocking and even singing to, is dead. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. I, it was one of the first times in very early ministry that I had ever come to a situation where there was a, not an expectant death. You know, if it's a terminal illness or, or whatever, maybe we can be a little bit more prepared for that, even though I don't know that you can be prepared for death. But when you walk in and you see a mother rocking this precious baby, and that baby's dead, what do you say? I'll admit, in Bible college, there isn't really a class on that. It's just a sorrowful, sad existence. This mother, this was on her only child who died a few minutes after birth. And you look at that baby, what would be a wonderful moment. No, there's no life in that baby. Paul here is telling the church of Ephesus and the Christians in Ephesus, you were once dead spiritually. By the way, if you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior this morning, we were once dead spiritually. Just as dead and lifeless as that baby. Just as hopeless as that baby. And there was nothing anyone could tell us apart from the gospel that would change that scenario whatsoever. All the comfort in the world wouldn't change that. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You look at the first three verses of chapter 2 in Ephesians, and it's a sad, dead state. Now for the Christian this morning, that still is encouraging, right? Because for a moment you begin to think, hey, you know what? I was dead, as in the past. That's where I used to be. It's also important for the Christian, for us to remember, when we're out at our job site, in the schools, in the community, 
when we see spiritually dead individuals doing dead things, we should not be surprised. We should not even come across as judgmental. Why? They're doing what their father wants them to do. And so many times, can you believe this happened? Well, if they're dead spiritually, the expectation should be that. I think many times we forget. This uh, little phrase, in which you once walked in verse 2, has the idea of everyday life. It's a pattern of conduct. It means consistently. There's nothing we can do to make us alive. Nothing. Titus 3.3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Everyday life. You know, when, he's, when we're going through Matthew chapter, the whole book of Matthew, but in Matthew chapter 5, and pastors now spending time on this topic of divorce, there are many pastors, that'd be a sub-note, right? Maybe a little sublet of a point and keep right on going. No, he's going to take it verse by verse, and what it says is what it says, right? It'd be easy, though, for some people in the building to say, you know what, I haven't had to deal with that. I, I, I'm not on that same level. Wait a minute. Paul's reminding us here. We have the same passions. Oh, that particular issue may not be your issue, even though in America today, it's more than likely affected, if not you personally, it's affected your parents, your grandparents, or maybe even you more, you more experienced individuals, your children, right? And so it's easy to say, you know what, that really doesn't apply. What Paul kind of hammers, no, wait a minute, we all were dead. We all have those like passions of sin and death. We, are blind, we were blind and apart from God due to our hard hearts. Due to our hard hearts. There may be that relative, that friend, that neighbor that you're continually trying to talk to about the gospel, bring up a gospel conversation, love on them. Remind yourself of how hardened of hearts that you had toward God. It's easy to call out judgment. Ephesians 4.18 says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. I mentioned I was at this conference uh, yesterday, and really, to begin with, they're given just some real negative statistics, such as 80% of all children who are in a life group or Sunday school, that means they attend church, will not hear the gospel. 80%. I don't know how CEF came up with that. It was, I'm sure, a vast study. 80%. The number of children do not even attend church today. Over 70%. Yet, statistics also tell us, Barna tells us, that 75% of current Christians today, okay, were accepted Christ from 0 to 12 
right? More probably like 4 to 12. I don't know a baby that could accept Christ. But under the age of 12, right? And yet, we are, we'll have a whole generation now of missionaries that will be skipped. 20 years, they believe, where there'll be less missionaries go out and, and, and tell others about Jesus. That should do something to me and you. That should cause a stir for this community. How many churches do you pass on the way to church? And yet, they're not going. They're empty. That should cause us to go reach and love this next, com- this next church. Hey, think about it. In 20, 25 years, a lot of people in that building will be here. And some of us won't be here. This should be just a constant reminder. As Christians, it is good to be reminded of what we were saved from. Verses 1 to 3 are bleak. They're dark. Very negative, right? But I'm so thankful that in verse 4, the tide has completely turned. Beginning with two words in verse 4, but God. Number one today, we were born spiritually dead. Number two, in Christ, we are made spiritually alive. In Christ, we are made spiritually alive. Look back at verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ephesians with me. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, That is a message of hope. That is what we carry with us out into this community. That is what you carry with you on Friday night at the the football game. This message of hope and love of what God has done for you. Lord willing, what you are teaching your children. And they're going out into their communities. I hear things. um, We go to Wren Elementary is where my son goes to school. And I talk to teachers there and hear kind of what's ahead as he goes to middle school and high school. They desperately need Jesus. Desperately. Let me just say, too, this is a, I mean, this wasn't written down. That's why what we do on Tuesdays starting September 10th is so important. Because they're so welcoming. They want you to come in. You get to come in and give them the Bible. Just as open as open can be. Also, let me encourage you. If you have grandchildren or children at any school in the, in, in the community, go spend time at lunch with them. Go to lunch with them at least one time in a, in, a, in a 14-week period and have them bring their friends to eat with you. It does, a, it does multiple things. Oh, we get to see who they're hanging around. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. The other part of it is, though, is you get to see the community that you're living in. Have you noticed how we build our houses today, right? There's no real porch anymore. It's just straight up. Why? We're trying to block ourselves out from the community. It'd be awesome to see lots of Graceview family out in the schools um, on any given week. And by the way, it doesn't have to be your own son, daughter, or grandchild. You can go in there and get a, get a background check, and you can go eat with anyone of, of any of our kids at ch- that go to our church or just in that community. There was a lady yesterday who says she just goes to eat lunch. And whoever sits with her, sits with her. I thought that was the coolest thing. 
that she has no relative at this school, but she just goes to eat with the kids. Why? Because in Christ, she's been made spiritually alive. God's nature is merciful and loving. That's why when we talk about sins such as divorce or lying or whatever else you want to put in the list, we should have the same mercy and love toward others because God's been so gracious to me and you. This grace that was made alive in Jesus Christ. Paul here teaches that there is a union between believers and Christ so that what is said of the Redeemer can also be said of the redeemed. Go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 again. Look at multiple times, whether you go to verse 5, with Christ. Verse 6, in Christ, Jesus. Verse 7, toward us, in Christ, Jesus. Verse 10, created, in Christ, Jesus. He's saying, get the message. You're a new creature in Christ. And whatever is said of, that, of, of the Redeemer can be said of us. Romans 8 and verse 11, it'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn there if you want to. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Like Christ, believers who have passed, who have passed on, will be resurrected again. It seems to happen kind of in waves, doesn't it? You know, we lost a precious saint here, an elder in our church. I had a, I had a friend of mine who I grew up with at 41. God called her home just last week when I had hair many years ago. I had a hair lady, right? Okay. And uh, I love, this lady was awesome, okay? And I, I was probably one of the only teenage boys that went to her. <laughs> it was basically she had a lot of girls that went. But um, she was awesome. And in her mid-50s, God calls her home. But the hope that we have and how we deal with death for someone who's in Christ is completely different. And by the way, we've seen that here in our own church from spouses who have passed on and to see that other spouse not only be faithful, but to do even more. That's a testimony that shows they believe, right? They believe that those believers who have passed on will be raised again. In Christ, we as believers have a full inheritance. That's that whole being in that union between the redeemed and the Redeemer, we have, a full, we have a full inheritance from God the Father because we're in Christ and what He did. And what we find, the older we get, the more experience, tragedy, life experience that we have, it becomes more difficult to believe that God through Jesus Christ would do this for us, that He would give us this. And have you never noticed with children, it's just not that way. With children, it seems a lot easier almost. They don't have this background of maybe sin they were in. You know, their sin is they, they stole a cookie. That's sin. I'm not knocking that, right? They took somebody's ball, right? They told mom and dad, no! You know, they're a young one, right? 
but they don't have this background to go back to. They can seem to understand that their father on earth is only a representation of the heavenly father. By the way, that's a big call out to dads and men. We have a tremendous responsibility. Tremendous responsibility. In Christ, we as believers have a full inheritance from God the Father. In Christ, we are made spiritually alive was number two. Number three, salvation by grace through faith in Christ. Now these will be the most common verses. In fact, when we read this, you may have heard verse 8 and 9 before. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So I said Saturday we had this training. Well, Wednesday and Thursday of this week, I, had, I went to another kind of school for basically two days. And I'm in this room of about 22 individuals, and sometimes we get caught up into Christianity, Christianity being very localized. And what was awesome about these, these 22 people I was with, I mean, I was in the minority. Most of them were either Romanians or Czechoslovakians. There was Russians. There was a Czechoslovakian pastor who pastors in Charlotte, North Carolina, to a Romanian church, and he's also planted Romanian churches in France and Germany. I'm like, dude, you've been around the world many more times than I would ever even, ever even think about. But being amongst that group of individuals, it just blows your mind to how big this family of God is. There's a church in, in Wisconsin right now who their ministry They've started a church in the Philippines. So he has an associate pastor. They kind of switch places for half the year. Part of the year they spend in the Philippines, and the other part they come back to the Wisconsin, then he goes then to the Philippines. It was just incredible to see this vast array of servants of God. Well, so on Wednesday, they're kind of going through the curriculum a little bit. We'll be teaching um, in a few months. And in, they kind of put you in groups of four and five, right? So in my group, I have a seminary professor, awesome, right? I mean, he's in his, like, 50s, and he's been in ministry all over the world, and he's a seminary professor. He's, he can teach more than I could ever say in 25 minutes, and I can say a lot in 25 minutes, some of you know. Um, and then there's another individual who had just been an, is an experienced missionary. In fact, since 2000, they had been to 50 countries, and were planning the next four or five while they were there. The other individual across from me was that Czechoslovakian pastor who has a church of two Romanians and has three other churches across the world. And then there's Brandon, right? And they're like, so what do you do? Well, I'm a, I'm a children's pastor I'm in, in Anderson. Where's that at? Oh, it's in South Carolina. Oh, okay. And so we all, we got to pick our little sections of the curriculum that we're going to teach. And of course, I get to pick last, but get to go first. So that Wednesday night, I'm studying because I know the seminary professor is going to be like right beside me kind of watching, you know. And you would not believe the two topics I happened to get. <laughs> now, just so you know, this was written and done on Tuesday. We're now on Thursday. And so I got taking the Bible literally, right, and, not, and taking it for what it says. Context. Real, right? Simple, right? Oh, yeah, real simple. So I got a passage in James and a, and, a, and a passage very similar to this right here. In James it said, 
For works will save you. That's what it said. That was the little phrase. And in the other passage I got, that was the passage similar to this, the other passage, what was it on? Divorce. I was like, man, you know? And he, we got to talking to him a little bit, and I said, well, my pastor just preached on this last week. I said, I want to use some of what he said and some other things and out of the curriculum and all. And really just intimidated by these men, right? But it was awesome to be able to go back and study this idea that people are saved by their works. You know why? Because there's people out that door that believe that. In fact, if, you're an ag- if, if someone would claim to be an agnostic, right, or an atheist, okay, even if you listen long enough, more than likely, they're going to get to the point where their works save them. Now, that's not uncommon. In fact, it's very common. If you've trusted Christ, then you have everything in you then to refute that. More importantly, you can take them right here. This is the gospel in a verse. Salvation by faith, by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Salvation cannot be earned. Man, we live in a world where everything seems to be earned or bartered. If you do this for me, I'm going to do this for you. Well, that's not who our God is. There's nothing we can do, right? Nothing. Remember that moment of salvation when you trusted Christ. Go back there with me just for a moment. Maybe where you had been blinded to believe there was something you had to do to earn salvation. And then when the reality, the realization come to you that it's because of His grace. It's because of His grace. I was saved at the age of five. Okay, so I don't have a long history, you know, of being in kindergarten and, and getting in trouble. I have some of that, right? But I was saved at the age of five. Yet... That same saving grace at the age of five helped me through my teenage years when I would have done a lot. When I'm explaining sin to our children, I'm going to kind of go, go through that with you in just one moment. It's hard to tell a, you know, a first grader, a second grader, even a fourth grader to get them kind of understand all about sin. So I'll walk in and I'll say, every person in this room, from about their first day of life, not only were you born in sin, but you exhibited your sin. I'm like, well, you're calling me out. I go to the Ten Commandments, and I show them, thou shalt not lie. You shouldn't lie, right? It's one of the ten. And I would say, more than likely in the first 24 to 48 hours, you lied. I couldn't say anything. You didn't have to. Why? Baby comes home. Baby's perfect, right? Smells good, right? Feed that baby. Ooh, feels so good. She's the, she or he is the most precious, most beautiful baby in all the world. Baby gets fed, full stomach. Baby's already had diaper changed from both instances that she would need, she or he would need that. Baby's had a nap. Baby's great. Now baby's got to go back to the bed. The baby jail, by the way. Have you noticed that? The babies start out in jail in their cribs. That's what that is, a baby jail. I put that baby in the baby jail. Fed, rested, and clean. What happens? Ah! What? What's wrong? What's wrong with poor little baby? Pick baby up. Wait a minute. Baby doesn't need to be picked up. Baby's not, not hungry. Baby clean. Baby's fine. Wait a minute. Baby wants that attention. So what do you do? You put the bottle in. Oh, it's full. Well, you had to check the back of him. You're good, right? You're clean. No, baby says, wait a minute. My agenda is more important than yours, mom and dad. Did they have to learn that? No, no. You can get a child to understand, wait a minute. 
not only am I born in sin, I was pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm really good at it. And I can't do anything to earn it. Only faith can bring acceptance with God. Only faith. And your next note there is we can only boast in what God has done. I was reading where Paul had the thorn in the flesh. And he was saying that he, the whole point of that was that he didn't want to boast in all the things that he had been through. He had to go, he had to go through much, right? He got, he got beat, thrown in jail. And yet, because this thorn would not be removed, he said, if I could boast in the sufferings, I mean, boast in Jesus Christ instead of my own sufferings. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, or you can read it on the screen. I got 4 and 5 up there. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. This is encouraging. But our sufficiency is from God. You may be tired this morning. Things may not be the greatest at home this morning. It's your job. It may not be working out like you want it to work out. Your kids aren't as perfect maybe as you thought they were. <laughs> right? None of those things. Bank accounts... Right, Keeping up with the American dream provides provide sufficiency. It can only come from God. If you go to Titus 3, 4 through 8, it kind of encapsulates this entire salvation by grace through faith in Christ. It encapsulates this point. It says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to, and I want you to insist on these things. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Teaching the next teachers of the gospel, he says, this thing is trustworthy. I want to insist on these things. God didn't want to hide from us his grace. He didn't want to make that unknown to us, his grace through Jesus Christ that provides eternal life. R.C. Sproul says it this way, The Christian's utter dependence on divine grace and, and kindness silences all human boasting. Ooh. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Can't be good enough, can't give enough, can't attend church enough, can't have the right family. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And if you're a believer this morning, that really should encourage you to know, you know what, no matter what I've done or will do, because of what he's done, I can boast in him. Finally, number four today, as a new creation in Christ, we are made alive to serve him. As a new creation in Christ, we're made alive to serve him. Ephesians 4.24 says, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. 
But really the best description of this, of, of number four, is in our verse 10. For we are his, verse 10 of chapter 2, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Christ, we can do good. That seems like a very obvious, easy statement. Yeah, I know that. But there are some Christians that that maybe they've been discouraged from previous sin, something that may have happened years ago, that believe they have no worth anymore. In and of yourself. But because of what Christ has done, there's much that we can accomplish. Several weeks ago, I got a call about going to Whitehall Elementary School and doing Good News Club there. My inclination on anything like that is to say, sure, yes, let's do that. All right? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. Well, we've got to rearrange some schedule things. May not see as many announcement videos in the future because we're going to pour our time into this for a little while. But so they begin to tell me a little bit about Whitehall Elementary School. Right? Oh, well, it's this type of child that can, can go there. And it's this type of issue. And you know, that, that two hours can be long. Well, because of how they act or how they, how they treat others. They don't know that they can do good in God. They don't know that God created them. That through Christ they can do good. Now, I'm fully aware. Not everybody that goes to, to a good news club on a Tuesday afternoon is necessarily going to want to be there. Some of them have to go for various reasons. Right? But there's sometimes you and I have showed up in a church house on Sunday, not really, quote-unquote, wanting to be there. But God put us in a seat. Why? Because he had a message for us. We need to be encouragers to this community and to those around us. There are too many of us that believe there's no hope. Even those believers, that there's nothing good inside of them. No, but you have God. You have Christ inside of you. There's still much and great things that can be accomplished. And even if you're past is what it is. You're a new creation. You're made new. And in Christ, you can do good. I put here, works are a consequence and evidence in Christ that we are children of God. Many times we think of consequences as negative. But in, the, in, verse, in verse 10, it's not a negative at all. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, when I tell other churches that we have roughly 80 volunteers for a VBS. They are just 80 volunteers. Well, well so what do, you, what do you go to church about 500? No. No, just about, a, I mean, a third to 40% of our people just want to help out on VBS. Why? They just, they're excited to do it. They want to do it. Why? Because God's done something for them. And because they're in Christ, they want to serve. All the sales pitches in the world doesn't change that. As children of God, we have been a part of his plan to bring glory to himself. In verse 10 there, for created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Now, look at that phrase of the next few words and go back to verse 1 and verse 2. So you were dead in trespasses and sin, verse 1, verse 2, in which you once walked... Now we look down at verse 10, because we are created in Christ. God's prepared a work for us, and he has a mission for us. 
to accomplish. See, we think back to what we once were, dead, but now we're alive. Then literally, we should be the most positive people on the earth. Why? Because we're carrying the message of what God has done and is doing in our life. When we go out to our job sites, schools, communities, grocery stores, Walmart, okay, in all of those places, they should see and experience something different in us because the world is desperately begging for something different. They try again and again and again and end up empty. Why? Because they're dead. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, this kind of puts this together really well. Ephesians and Colossians go really well together, a lot of the same thoughts. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Christian this morning wasn't vastly, maybe, maybe new material for you. It wasn't something, oh, I haven't heard this before. But as Paul said, we need to be reminded of where we used to be. It helps us not judge others, right? Our neighbors, our friends, not to judge them, but to understand and maybe walk with them some in what they're dealing with. And Lord willing, by remembering what God brought us from and what he's bringing us to, we can make a positive impact on our neighbors, friends, relatives, and family. Because more than likely, in the number of people that are here, you have a family member that's just come to your mind who doesn't know Christ, and yet you're with them. Do they see a new creature? Do they see someone who maybe they knew in the past that was dead, but now is alive in Christ? But, because I love studying statistics, statistics tell us even in a church this size, there are people in this room that for by grace are you saved through faith, that does not apply to them doesn't apply. Maybe they thought coming to a church service was enough, or they say enough right things, enough works. And what does God say? No, that is not what it is. It is saving grace, right? So for just a moment, I'd like for every head bowed and every eye to be closed, and I'm going to walk through the Gospels for just a quick second. At the age of five, I had a teacher show me that I didn't, that I, was a, that I was a sinner, that I was born in sin, and that all the works that I could possibly do and the good things would not allow me to go to heaven. Maybe you've heard that over and over, but you haven't trusted it for yourself. And to know that it's only God's grace and what he has done for you by sending Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, that you're trusting in that, and that he arose again three days later. That saving grace. If you're in that, in that spot this morning, I pray you'll trust him. You don't need to be walked through a prayer. You don't need me to come, come with you and put my arm around you. You can do it right at your seat now. Just call upon God. 
Say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm trusting in what you've already done through Jesus Christ. That is saving faith. And I pray every person under the sound of my voice knows that, has accepted it, and their life is changed because of it. I'd love to talk with you afterwards. If you accepted Christ today, you said, look, I did trust Christ. We'll give, we'll give you some materials to help you along your way. And for Christians this morning, thank you so much for listening. I pray that you were encouraged. Be in prayer for pastor as he travels back to rest in the God's grace through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful and thankful for those of us that have experienced your grace in Christ, that we are alive and called to change our community and be light in this community and around the world. I thank you for what you're doing all over Anderson County, God. And I pray we would be that light. Help us to go out encouraged and excited about what you called us to. Lord, bring us back Wednesday night as we begin with student ministry and children's ministry, some reading program, God, for the adult study, Lord. Then we come back continue and eager to learn. Bless us as we go out in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.